Slant Football Podcast. We'll go behind the scenes with Jayhawk Slant, the online leader, covering KU football and recruiting. Now, here's the staff from JayhawkSlant.com, Randy Withers and John Kirby. Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. Happy holidays and happy bowl season from Jayhawk Slant. It's another edition of the Inside Slant podcast from the Slant. And we're going to talk all football in this bowl game edition of the best KU podcast on the internet. We're going to look at the matchups against UNLV, give our predictions, and we'll get a really good breakdown from Caleb Herring, the color analyst for the UNLV football program. Then we're going to get into the transfer portal, talk some NIL, an ever-changing landscape that is college football, and the way it's affecting KU as we know this program presently. Before we get into that, let me go ahead and bring him a man on the Kansas football beat and our publisher, my buddy John Kirby. John, how you doing? Randy, I'm doing well. You know, we're recording. We're in the studio on Saturday morning. We wanted to get the bowl episode out and give everybody, you know, three or four days to listen to it. And so hopefully you got all your Christmas shopping done. Uh, I, I think. <laughs> I don't know if you're ever really done because just about the time you think that you are, you realize that you forgot somebody, A, or something pops up in your feed and you're like, Oh, that's yeah, I've got to go get that. I've got to I got to find that. So I I think I'm done. But like I say, I don't know if it ever actually ends. How about you with two college kids home? I mean, are you even buying Christmas presents? Are you just feeding them? No, my hey, my wife still gets the presents and all that. But as they get older, man, they just, you know, cash. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Venmo. Yeah. Hey, can you just Venmo me for Christmas, Dad? I'm uh, I, I've become a master at Venmo. I can Venmo in about 25 seconds now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you're done with Christmas shopping, you're a lot better than me, man, because I'm I'm just going to get it started. I'm probably going to go out and get some stuff going here. Hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this podcast and know know how late I always start, but she's used to it. <laughs> my wife and I, we started our, our annual hit of the uh, the holiday pop-up bar circuit last night and so uh we we hit two last night today we'll take it easy and then we have a few on christmas eve few christmas day um we just kind of make the rounds to all the different ones uh since we don't have kids and and uh it it's it's a lot of fun we went to um one of the kansas city club last night where you know you're it's it's all decorated and everything. And you're sitting around having all kinds of drinks and food and stuff. And then they did a a like an updated version of a Christmas Carol right there in the bar. And it was it was really funny because in the middle of it, uh, Christmas the the ghost of Christmas past broke into a version of a Taylor Swift song impromptu, and we were like, oh god, this is. <laughs> I was like, where's the Travis Kelsey reference? surprisingly it never came but i thought sure we were about to get one of those well hopefully you um hopefully you got in and and didn't have too many cold ones you know i i didn't i'm feeling uh, i had to have a couple excedrin this morning but you know hey nothing i I, i'm german irish and scottish i should be (laughs) i i have a level of genetic tolerance that is 
impressive and at the same time scary. So I'm 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 okay this morning. Well, that's good. You know, we're going to get into breaking this thing down from the KU side, John, looking ahead to this matchup against UNLV and the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Uh, but before we do that, let's go ahead and welcome in our guest, Caleb Herring. Caleb is the color analyst for the UNLV football broadcast, and he's going to give us a closer look at the Rebels football program. We are joined by Caleb Herring, who does a great job as the radio analyst for the UNLV broadcast, and he is a former quarterback at UNLV. Caleb, thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Excited about uh, the UNLV-Kansas matchup. It's going to be a fun one for the bowl game. You know, I wanted to start with Barry Odom. I've known Barry for 20 years. You know, just talk about the job he's done there and how he's helped turn the program around. I say I've only known him for one year, uh, and <laughs> I, he's had just as great an impact on, on me, I'm sure, as he's had everywhere he's gone. He's, he's, he's a winner for sure. Uh, his football acumen, his football savvy, um, his head coach knowledge. I mean, the way he's able to conduct himself and, and really galvanize a community that's been dead as far as college football goes. Uh, it's been awesome, amazing. Uh, he's been very open and, and welcoming to myself as now a current media member um, and an alumni of the university. He's, he's done things to reach out to that alumni base and, and re-engage the tradition at UNLV from a football standpoint like it's never been done before. And he's been fantastic uh, in every sense of the word in his first year. You know, he stepped down uh, during his fresh, first press conference, and, and he mentioned that he envisioned UNLV competing for championships year in and year out. And, you know, it's the right thing to say. And obviously, you know, people, you know, wanted to hear that. But we didn't think that at the end of that calendar year, he'd actually be competing for the Mountain West Championship for the first time in school history, which was just a fantastic achievement. And UNLV has – has been hungry for a head coach like Barry Odom. He's been worth every penny, I'm sure. And he, he's probably earned a few more pennies for what he's done here in his first year. You know, I want to start with the offense. I know the offensive coordinator there, Marion. I know he was named the Mountain West Offensive Coordinator of the Year. Just break down what he does offensively and who are some of the players that, you know, the Kansas fans should be watching for. Well, when you're talking about Brennan Marion, I think it's rare in football. You know, it's such a copycat sport. Uh, to find an offensive coordinator that's truly innovative. And I think that's what we've seen uh, out of Brennan Marion with this go-go offense is it's something new and refreshing and, and entertaining and fun, obviously explosive with the amount of points that the Rebels have been able to score per game this season. Uh, it's been fun. He's been a, a jolt of energy to the offensive side with the innovative system that he's brought along. Who knows how long it will take people to catch up to the unique system of the go-go offense, but He's done a great job, not only in play design, but play calling on the field as well. He's uh, a coordinator that likes to be down on the field. He has a very even kill temperament on the sideline that I think his players, especially his quarterbacks, really thrive under. And speaking of quarterbacks, redshirt freshman Jay Maiava has had a spectacular year, the freshman of the year in the Mountain West Conference, uh, some all-conference or some all-college uh, football honors as well as the freshman, the runner-up to that all-freshman team. So he's been fantastic under Coach Marion. He's been explosive. He's, he's grown into the position, uh, thrust in in week three due to injury. But uh, every week it seemed like he's matured and grown up. A little bit of a setback to finish the season, but he's special. And uh, from the looks of things, he's going to be staying around for a long time from Vegas. So the community has rallied around him. He has the keys to the city, essentially. Um, of course, he's throwing it to Ricky White, uh, who – in my opinion, was a snub as a Bolitnikoff finalist. He should have at least been in that top six uh, as one of the most outstanding wide receivers in the nation. 
uh, over 1,300 yards on the season. He set a school record uh, for yards. He's been explosive every game, uh, five games over 150 yards this season. So he's been spectacular all season long. Big plays, short plays, intermediate game, you name it, Ricky White can get it done. And then the stable at running back uh, has been stable all season long. Rebels were a top 25 team in the rushing game, um, and they do it by committee. A lot of different running backs, Vincent Davis, uh, probably leads the way in that regard. But a, a lot of weapons on the offensive side uh, with that go-go offense to hit you from a multitude of different ways. You know, I want to move over to the defense next. I mean, what do they do scheme-wise? And, again, who, who are some of the players there to watch? I'll tell you what. They uh, play with speed, and that's one of the things that I think uh, Coach Odom has brought in, a three-three-five structure, if that's – uh, what you want to box it into, but it's been multiple throughout the season as far as the looks that they can bring, but they always play with speed. And I think that's uh, truly a testament to how they wanted to recruit um, and how they practice and how they plan to play is to play uh, with tremendous team speed. The size hasn't always been there for UNLV and that has a lot to do with who's available in recruiting. Obviously the size goes elsewhere a lot of the time, but UNLV has done a great job of recruiting guys with fast twitch, uh, in the trenches, strength as well, heavy bases down there, but speed all over the field. And that's been the priority for UNLV as far as getting guys to the ball, uh, doing it by committee. Uh, Jackson Wood leads the way as a team leader on defense linebacker. He's an all-conference player as well in the Mountain West. Uh, he leads the way, leads the team in tackles. But like I said, the speed comes from all directions. Cornerback Cam, Drink- Cam Jenkins is uh, one of the more senior guys on the roster. He um, has a lot of interceptions under his belt. Uh, ball hawk, if you will, in the secondary, as well as Jackson Turner, who finds his way around the ball, four interceptions on the season. So they do it by committee, but Jackson Woodard is definitely the leader. Uh, some guys up front that have some fast twitch uh, have been better against the run than in recent years, but Jalen Dixon, Darius uh, Johnson up front doing a great job. The two of Martinson, a former walk-on, one of the strongest guys on the roster, if not the strongest. I don't know who can challenge him for that throw, but uh, the defense does it by committee. Their speed all over the place. They like to play fast. They like to play physical. And they've added some elements as the season have gone as uh, some elements of deception, um, which is, shows the maturity and the football IQ of the guys, able to disguise coverages, move around, uh, give quarterbacks different looks. And to the tune of getting a pick six in the Mountain West Conference game on what I think was a, a well-disguised coverage. So the defense does it by committee. They play fast. I think that's their calling card on the defensive side. You know, I, I, I'd hate to skip over special teams because as as I was looking down all the pro football focus scores and looking into UNLV, it looks like they've got some pretty good specialists. Yeah, special teams was probably the highlight of the season, believe it or not. And it's truly the third phase of the game. A lot of teams look at offensive defense as the main attraction, but special teams for UNLV was a priority uh, coming in. And they've got some, some really talented specialists. You're talking about Jose Pizano as a place kicker. Uh, one of the top field goal kickers in the nation uh, up for the Lou Groza Award uh, earlier this year. Uh, finalist and All-American in that regard. Holds school records for most field goals in a single game, most field goals in a single season, and most consecutive field goals made. So he came in as a transfer and made an instant impact in the special teams game. Uh, Jacob DeJesus is a guy that gets a lot of attention in the return game, so much so that teams were kicking it away from him for most of the year, and he still managed to make it as an All-American as a returner. So that shows how talented he is. When he touches it uh, in the back end, he has the potential to make big plays, and he's been a momentum boost in the special teams category for UNLV all season long, uh, among the top 20 in all-purpose yards as well, so he can get it done on offense. Uh, and then they have uh, a special punter as well who's, who's steadily increased 
uh, his productivity over the years. He's been a weapon in, as far as flipping field position, um, averaged over 42 yards per kick, and really worked this offseason to improve his hang time, uh, which was good for coverage teams, obviously getting down there and covering the punts. But a great job um, by all the specialists, making UNLV one of the more elite special teams units uh, in the nation under James Shebest, who came in and is paid just like a coordinator, and he's performed just like a coordinator. A, a very key part of the game is the UNLV specialists and how they're able to impact things in between the lines. You know, as you look at this team, maybe more focused on offense and defense, if you had to pick some of the strengths and weaknesses, what would they be? Oh, that's a tough. I think the run game would be a strength of this team, and it kind of faded out towards the end of the season. I think as more teams got aware of it, they still got up over 150 yards per game in the last three, but um, they they have a unique ability to run the ball, and it's not you know a 1,000-yard running back. It's, like I said earlier, by committee, um, but their ability to run the ball behind that offensive line has been uh, really a stable thing for them on the offensive side of the ball. And then, believe it or not, defensively, as an undersized defense, and you, you say traditionally you, you look for some more beef up front, but the way that they're able to stop the run uh, defensively and then because of that force teams into to unfortuitous situations and, and create some turnovers on defense, I would say that their defense is capable of creating havoc. And it hasn't been as consistent, again, like I said, to finish the year with a couple of losses in back-to-back games against San Jose State and Boise State. Uh, but they did play a really good season's worth of football. There was a stretch where they held four consecutive opponents under 100 yards of total rushing offense. Wow. Uh, so they have the ability to be that as a defense, but uh, we, we sure hope they get back to those ways uh, to finish the season. I'm trying to get their 10th win, but those two things, I think running the ball and stopping the run are, are what they hang their hat on, and they were actually really good at it throughout the season. You know, we're in the wild ward of the, the, the transfer portal and NIL, and as we get closer to the bowl game, you know, has UNLV lost anybody to that or any injuries that could play a factor? Well, it's actually strange as far as the injury goes. The, the Rebels finished the season probably as healthy as they've been all season long, and uh, one of their key defensive players, Ray Williams, was out for most of the season, got injured during the UTEP game. Uh, during the non-conference slate and wasn't able to make his return until the Mount West championship game where he wasn't even a hundred percent. So with the time off in between the championship and the bowl game, hopefully he's able to get healthy, but that was the only real injury of note uh, going into the final weeks of the season. So they may be at full strength. Who knows? I don't know what's been going on at practice as far as that goes, you know, coaches are really tight lipped around that uh, ordeal. So, uh, the transfer portal has its impact on everyone, and uh, UNLV is, is not immune to that fact. Obviously, a couple of players have entered into the transfer portal. Cameron Jenkins comes to mind as one of the bigger players. He got a lot of reps as a defensive back safety, a freshman at, at that, uh, a young guy who was working his way into the rotation and uh, looking to have a bright future at UNLV. He transferred to Baylor um, and had a really good story about that. This is kind of the elements of the transfer portal that people don't think about. has a brother that plays. Um, and got a scholarship to Baylor. So the two of them are going to meet up back in their home state of Texas. So things like that that happen in the transfer portal are, are, are what, uh, you know, goes overlooked. But it has its mark. It makes its mark on every team. And thankfully to this point, uh, UNLV hasn't lost any of their key starters. None of the names that I mentioned during this, uh, during this segment um, have entered as of yet. And who knows what happens after the bowl game, whenever this transfer portal period ends. Uh, but the transfer portal hasn't been uh, hugely detrimental to UNLV at this point. Uh, there's still plenty of time on the clock, so we'll see how things go. But 
uh, at this point, Coach Odom has done a great job of keeping that attrition. I think he's uh, he's done that by selling a successful team by the season he's had. Obviously, winning has a lot to do with that. And I think the community of Las Vegas and the eyes that they've been able to draw to Las Vegas as a major sports market um, have helped keep the transfer portal damage to a minimum. You know, my final question for you, how do you see this matchup against the Jayhawks? It's going to be a tough one. I, I looked at the Jayhawks uh, in some films, some of their wins and some of the way that they played throughout the season. Big time win, obviously, over Oklahoma was probably the biggest win on the schedule that, that I could find. Who knows how the Jayhawks feel about it. But they've got some talent. We, we faced a couple of NFL caliber uh, running backs over the past couple of weeks. Ashton Gentry, the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year, just a sophomore, but he has the potential to be playing on Sundays for sure. So we've got a dose of that. Uh, but Devin Neal for Kansas is going to be a key. I, I think, you know, watching him, a lot of similar similarities actually to Gentry and the way they run, the way they're built, even a thousand yard rusher with 15 touchdowns definitely pops out on the film when you're looking at Kansas on the offensive side. Uh, and then the quarterback, Jason Bean, had an explosive game uh, in their final win of the season where he had a couple of long touchdown runs and showed off that speed. I don't know what his 40 time is, but I tell you, he looks electric and fast out there on the edges. Uh, I know he had an injury earlier in the season. That was uh, something that probably slowed him down a little bit, but he looked like he found his stride uh, to finish the year. So those are the kind of things that you worry about. Obviously, the transfer portal and things like that will impact the Jayhawks as well. But the team that I saw, that I've watched on film, is a very talented team. And they've got a ball hawk on defense as well with Mello over there at cornerback making some interceptions. I think he has four in the year. He's declared that he's returning uh, and, and not going to the transfer court, at least at, at, at the last that I saw. So they've got some problems all over the board that you know he's going to have to contend with, especially when you look at the, the, the combination of a talented NFL-caliber running back with an athletic quarterback who uh, has the ability to take it a distance as well. They're going to have their hands full. It's going to be a fun one, but – uh, the Big 12 coming against the Mountain West is, is definitely an opportunity that the Rebels are licking their chops for on the national stage here in December. It's going to be a fun game. That is Caleb Herring. He's the analyst for the UNLV broadcast. And thank you very much for joining us. Have a good holiday, and we'll see you in Phoenix. All right, I'll see you there. Looking forward to it. Kirby has a great breakdown from Caleb and, and very thorough. The fans listening should have a better idea of what UNLV and head coach Barry Odom are bringing into this matchup with the Jayhawks. I want to do something different with our breakdown of the bowl game. I want to start by looking at both sides of the ball. How do you see this game when the Jayhawks are on offense? Yeah, well, Randy, you know, UNLV runs that 3-3-5 front. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Barry Odom, I've known Barry for a long time, and and he's he's a good defensive mind. He's a good football yes. coach, and you can just see what he's done at UNLV. So, you know, the good part about this is how many times this year have we done podcasts where we've talked about the three three five? Okay, it, I swear it feels like half the year. It it is. I mean, you know, oh, well over half the teams in the Big Twelve, I think, are playing the three three five. So, I mean, this is something that KU's seen. They should be used to it. Now, you know, UNLV may everybody has their own spin on it, right? I mean, sometimes people bring two edge rushers up and give you five man front looks. And, you know, within that three, three, five, a lot of things can change. You know, UNLV is active with it. I mean, they try to play fast and I, I do think KU can exploit their aggressiveness, uh, what they try to do uh, up front. They've got a couple 300 pound guys, uh, Tatao Martinson and Darius Johnson. You know, they, they seem solid, 
Um, I don't know. You know, when I when I watch UNLV, Randy, I try to put them on a scale of a Big 12 team, okay? Because, l- listen, they're in the Mountain West, and that doesn't mean the Mountain West doesn't have good football teams because they do. Yeah. But it's different when you're seeing Big 12 teams all the time. So, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out what does a, a really good Mountain West team equate to on the Big 12. And I've gone back and watched film and watched clips. Uh, you know, their defensive ends are, are okay. I posted on the board, they lost a D end here named Xavier Carter. Now, he had only played like 175 snaps, but he was their highest rated pass rusher and their highest rated defensive player on the board. So he gave them pass rushing snaps. Uh, at linebacker, the guy who stands out is a guy named Jackson Woodard. He leads the team in tackles. In their secondary, they've kind of been on and off. They, they, they've given up some big plays, but they've made some big plays. Uh, they've got a cornerback named Cameron Oliver on the pro football focus. He's a 75.1. So, I mean, he's a solid player. Their safeties ha- have struggled a little bit this year. Uh, Jonathan Baldwin and Jackson Turner, they've come in and both their scores, when I looked them up on Pro Football Focus and kind of went over their snaps, they're under 60. So, I mean, you know, UNLV, they gamble a lot. You know, they they try to make the big play. But I think this is a a defense from UNLV that KU can have some success on. They're going to be able to move the football on. And I I think that KU's offense is probably going to be the best that UNLV has seen this season. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. You know, looking at the other side of the ball, what about when KU is on defense? Yeah, you know, and, you know, there's some things we're waiting on. I mean, it, it's Saturday morning, and, and Lance Leipold hasn't addressed a lot um, with, with what's going on with the team. You know, we're, we're kind of waiting on an official word on Austin Booker. You know, they, they may have to rely on Hayden Hatcher is the guy who gives that weak side pass rush. We'll, we'll just wait and see on that. I mean, I, I don't want to get into a lot of that right now just until, you know, somebody from, from KU or Lance Leipold addresses that situation. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk on our message board about it. You, you know, And listen, KU has approved, improved a lot against the run. And, and we've talked that one of the things that KU's done well this year is the improvement of the defense. And and that's really what UNLV wants to do. Um when I started to break UNLV down and started to look at them statistically, you know, they're only sixth in rushing in the Mountain West. And what teams started to do against them earlier in the year when you when they had success, UNLV started to go to the passing game, okay? And that's where they're pretty – I mean, they can make they can make some plays there. Uh, Maeva, the quarterback's – is solid you know he's on a lot of freshman all-american list and their wide receiver ricky white he is really good i mean he is going to be a challenge for kobe or Mello out on the edge i mean he grades out at 90.8 which I, I know you pay attention to the pro football focus scores but that's a crazy score <laughs> a, a 90.8 you know he transferred in from michigan state he was a four-star wide receiver so, I mean, they, they, they've got some guys in the skill. They've got three running backs they give the ball to, and they're pretty solid there. I, I'm going to tell you where I think the advantage is. I think KU's come a long way in their front seven this year. I think they, they've shown a lot of improvement. Obviously, Gage Keys, you know, you're going to lose 300-something snaps there. So, they're going to have to find a little different rotation. But, man, when I look at UNLV's offensive line, they've got three offensive lines scoring under 60 points right now under 60.0 
on the pro football focus scale. So, you know, they've got some nice skill. They got some nice running backs. Um, Maeva, the quarterback, he's not a super mobile guy. You know, he'll, he'll get you about 20 yards a game. He can run if needed. I don't think they do a lot of QB run stuff with him, but I think the Kansas defensive front can have some success against the UNLV O-line. I, I think I think you're exactly right with that. You know, I, I also, we don't want to leave out special teams. Since you brought this up with Caleb in the interview, what do you see when you look at special teams? Yeah, Randy, when I started breaking down UNLV and going over their roster, this is actually the unit that stood out to me where I think, you know, UNLV can have an edge. And that's why I asked Caleb about it specifically because, you know, it's something that we always forget. You know, we always want to talk about What's the offense look like a defense? What's the defense look like against the offense? But sometimes we, we leave out special teams. And I'm telling you, UNLV has had an edge on everybody this year in special teams. Um, their, their punter, Marshall Nichols, the guy averages 46.7 yards a punt. I mean, he is near the top in the country. He was a on the Ray Guy watch list. He transferred in from Mississippi State. He's really good. The field goal kicker, Jose Pisano, he's a weapon. I mean, he's 25 out of 27 from field goal range. He's two out of two from outside 50 yards. So, I mean, he is talented. And both of their return units, kickoff and punt, rank in the top four in the Mountain West Conference. So, I mean, they've got some guys that can that can do some things that can be dangerous in the, in the return game. So, when I look at special teams, you know, we focus on the other areas a lot. But if you start getting down to those those areas where people always say special teams makes a difference, UNLV is pretty good there. Putting this all together, Kirby, how do you see this game with UNLV playing out and what's your predi- prediction for the guaranteed rate bowl? Yeah, Randy, I just think KU's the better team, okay? And we've talked about this a couple times. There's the want to be there, okay? And and you know, this is a game. It's it's the day after Christmas. You know, you're you know, you everybody flew in on the 22nd and you know, UNLV's, you know, they want to be there, okay? UNLV is playing in their first bowl game in some time and they are excited for this. I can tell by talking to people who cover it i i can just tell by you know some of the videos i've watched i mean it's been a long time since unlb has been in a bowl um lance leipold will have the they'll have the team ready okay they'll be up they'll be ready to play you know something interesting we talk about is like fan travel and the attendance of the game you know this is a game that hasn't seen a lot of attendance i mean you're talking twenty-two thousand one year twenty-one thousand the other year and and, you know, I, I was joking with somebody the other day that, you know, I think KU took 25000 to the Liberty Bowl last year. Yeah. So, I mean, KU took more people to the Liberty Bowl that are probably going to be in the stadium. And, you know, I was talking with Joe Spilatro from our UNLV site, and he just he doesn't think that UNLV fans are going to travel well for this game. He said, you know, it sounds to me, Randy, UNLV is kind of like KU was a, a year or two ago. They, they've struggled for so long, and the fans are just starting to come back and starting to get on board. And he kind of makes it sound like, you know, he just doesn't know if they're on board enough to make that five-hour trip. But, you know, you look at KU, they've got alumni base and a, a really good alumni base in Arizona. You've got KU fans in L.A. and San Diego. I, th- I want to say that's like a five, five-and-a-half-hour drive. So, you know, they'll sell some tickets and bring some fans from there. Um 
it'll be interesting to see the final attendance numbers. I just think UNLV's defense is going to have trouble containing KU's offense. I think the Jayhawks are going to do, you know, what they've done all year. Zabrowski's going to call call the game. You're not going to see a lot change. You're going to keep the motions in. I'm sure you'll see some Wildcat in there. Uh, you know, it's the last game, so you can do some things with Jason Bean without having to worry to, you know, getting him hurt for the next game. And, and I think they're. I think Zabrowski's going to be creative. So, you know. UNLV's defense ranks ninth in the Mountain West Conference, and that is something that you haven't heard a lot of people talk about. So I think KU can have some success. I'd like to see KU get out, get a lead, and get out because I don't, I don't know that UNLV is a team that can come from behind very well if they have to. They, they want to be able to run the ball, throw when needed, and if KU can go out and get in a lead and kind of cut loose on UNLV. I think that would be a, a huge factor in the game. I, I just think the Jayhawks are a better team. I'm gonna go with KU. I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda go uh I'm gonna kinda go big in this one. I'm gonna go KU 41-24. Give me yours, man. I'm right there with you on this one. I just I don't think UNLV is prepared for what Kansas is gonna bring offensively. I also think with the Jayhawks propensity that we have seen for big plays on the defensive side of the ball, I expect them to force at least one, possibly more turnovers that are going to lead to more points. I, I'm i looking at this one and I see it similar to you. I see it 38-17 Jayhawks. Um, and I think Kansas really is going to be able to dictate, especially with their running game and, and what they do with that offensive line. I know it, there's the potential to maybe be missing Dominic Pooney at left tackle. But I still think with Scott folks and the job he does coaching that offensive line, I think him and, and Zabrowski are going to have a tremendous game plan ready for UNLV. And I, I see KU just being able to really dictate and do whatever they want in this matchup. You know, moving on to recruiting, I know in our signing day podcast earlier this week, we focused solely on the high school signees. And you and I talked about it. Those kids, they deserve that because they kind of get lost in the shuffle now of what has become college football free agency. But let's take a minute to look at the transfer portal side of things, because that has been most of the talk this month and will continue to be through this recruiting cycle. John, what's the latest on who is coming, going, and, and what targets might still be out there at the moment for Lance Leipold in this program? Yeah, Randy, in the in the portal officially, you know, you got Gage Keys and Will Huggins. The, the, they've been they've been the ones that have gone in that I think are the ones that matter. And and then we play the waiting game. Okay. I mean, it's a nervous time after the bowl game for coaches. Because, you know, I was talking to a coach at another school the other day. He said, you always get nervous after the bowl game because kids want to stick around and they want to get the bowl game gifts. Okay. They want to get the free trip. They want to go somewhere warm. They get a bunch of cool stuff on the, on the bowl game visit and everything. And then they come back and that's when kids go in the portal. So, I mean, this is going to be a time where not just KU, this is all over the country. You're going to see another wave of guys going in the portal and I don't know who would go in the portal from KU, but somebody's going to go in the portal, okay? And if it's going to be multiple players, I don't know that yet, but it's just statistics and patterns show someone's going in the portal. So, you know, they've been able to, 
listen, so, so far, I like what they've done. I mean, they got Deshaun Hanica, who's a tight end out of Iowa State. He's originally from Topeka. You know, he's an athletic target, a big kid, 6'6". He can run well. He's already played in the Big 12. He understands what Big 12 football is, is like. He's already played at Iowa State. He's gone through Matt Campbell's program. So Deshaun Hanick has gone through a strength and conditioning program at the D1 level, the Big 12 level. He's played in front of crowds. So, you know, that's a nice pickup. And then they got Dylan Woodkey, a defensive end out of Youngstown State. It eventually came down to KU and Boise State. You know, he's a little different. He's a he's a bigger kid, 6'4", 265 pounds. You know, rushes the quarterback okay, can play the run. Uh he, he's gonna be he'll be a solid addition. And then and then the last was Devin Dye. You know, this is one I like a lot. Kemp comes from Utah State. His brother Jalen's already on the team. Obviously, we've talked about this several times. They're the sons of Jermaine Dye, who played for the Royals and, yeah. and went on and you know, was with the White Sox and was the World Series MVP. So, you know, Devin had Devin had a lot of offers. I mean, he had uh, KU, K-State, Utah. Uh, K- KU was able to get him on a visit after, in the middle of his K-State visit. He left there, went to Lawrence, ended up liking it, took a one-day visit basically on Sunday, and then committed to KU. So he'll be a good addition to the team. Um you know, rivals just rated him in as a 5.7. That's going to put him at one of the top safeties in the portal. So that was a strong pickup. And from here on out, again, this can all change depending on who goes in the portal, who stays. This can all change. But right now, I think they're chasing an offensive lineman, specifically maybe a center, a defensive end, a backer, and a wide receiver. So um, they've got some offers out uh, just most recently. Uh, Zari Alexander from Idaho. His freshman year, he had like 75 tackles. KU offered him the day he went in the portal, but he's starting to pick up a lot. So, I mean, yeah. again, that's that's going to be the, the, these kids that, that pick up a lot, Randy, are, is going to be tough because once NIL starts becoming a factor in the recruiting with these guys right now, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a challenge for KU. So, I mean, when you get schools who have an abundance of NIL or say we're going to put our NIL toward the portal, those are going to be challenges for KU because KU's taken their resources. And, and from everything that I can tell, the key is, is keeping the players in the program there now. And that's where a lot of your NIL money could be going. So, um, Isaiah Alston, uh, he's a wide receiver from Army. That, that that sounds weird, doesn't it? That a wide receiver from Army would be getting getting these looks. But from from what I can tell, he's going to visit Kansas, and then the portal. Be, because of the portal, the NCAA put in an extra week early in January that allows portal guys to take visits, not high school players, but the transfers. So I think he's going to cram in KU, Houston, and Iowa State, the last I heard, into one week. It's going to be like two days here, two days here, and two days here, and he's going to get it all done, and we'll see how that goes. You know, they just offered a a defensive lineman named Anton Junkaj. He's picking up a lot of offers. He's going to be, I think, Oklahoma and A&M just offered. He'll be a tough one. Grady Kelly, KU was the first to offer him. Jim Panagos, he's from Colorado State. Obviously, they had great luck with Devin Phillips. 
but now he's starting to pick up <laughs> pick up a lot. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And then Ontario Thompson's another one they offered. It, it feels to me like KU is slowly starting to back off him a little bit. So we'll see that Ooh. goes. And, and we'll just have to see where things shake out after the bowls, Randy, because, you know, we'll have to see how many portal spots open up and, and how many don't. I want to get in the discussion of the portal and the NIL side of things that you kind of alluded to and how this has almost turned into really college football free agency. I mean, the NCAA is talking about doing away with transfer restrictions where a player can transfer multiple times. And this feels like we're kind of at a tipping point here, don't you think? Yeah, they're, they're going to have to figure something out. I mean, this, this, this thing, this is not sustainable. Okay, I mean, you know, the NCAA does have some power. I I know even judges have gotten involved lately, but they've got the power to at least decide transfer rules and, you know, what is acceptable and what's not. They still have the say over that. Now, they may not have the say on, you know, NIL and, and the craziness that's become there because, Randy, the part with NIL is out of control is there's teams who just can't compete. Okay, I mean, you know, you look at KU, KU's got a really good NIL program. And and I mentioned this on our last podcast. I'm going to have Mitt Winter on. He he is one of the best NIL experts in the country. And I've I've gotten to talk to him quite a bit. And and I've got a chance to talk to just how, how long I've done this. Other people who are tied into collectives at other schools. But, you know, KU, a lot of things that people don't understand. KU does a good job in NIL. But KU's also got a basketball program that, from everybody I talk to, ranks either one or number two in in NIL going out the door. So, you know, it's hard when you've got to keep going back to your alumni and your boosters and telling them, we need your money, please, right? This is year after year. You keep going them back, and you're asking them to get in their wallets to keep players in the program or to get players. So I just don't know how sustainable that is, and at some point do they start taking the collectives inside at the colleges, and then if they're run, you know, what I see happening is probably at some point is that's what happens, and then college – College programs start hiring three or four full-time NIL people inside. But then once you bring it inside and you make it an official university thing, then you start bringing in, does Title IX start challenging that now? Because, see, Title IX, it's hard to challenge the way it's run now because collectives are kind of third party. They're kind of private from the university. So they're untouchable. So when you bring it in-house, you open up that can of worms and – and here's the other thing. Players are getting smart. They're learning how to play this NIL game. We're we're hearing this more now here in the last two or three weeks than we've heard since this all started, okay? I mean, I posted something on the board from the Penn State athletic director. You know, he was out in Las Vegas with James Franklin, his head football coach, and they're going to the college awards show. They get an email from a street agent who uh-huh. shot – He's shopping like eight players. Like, hey, I've got eight guys here, okay? Are you willing to take any of these guys? And I'm sure in there is, well, let's negotiate what they would be worth. And they look down the list, and one of the guys on the list is one of their own players 
who's not even in the portal yet. You know, I joked on the board that this this street agent wasn't very smart because he's probably just copying and pasting and sending this. He's just sending this to coaches all over the country. Well, hey, Uh, man, when you do that, you might want to take off the guy who's at the school that you're sending it to, right? I mean, so, you know, the, the... I just don't see that this this can keep going on, Randy. And I mean, you know, then you start throwing in the mix of if they are not allowed to mandate this this whole transfer rule and players can start leaving after each season with no repercussions and be eligible. Shoot, you could have you know you could have guys leaving every year. I even joked on the board. I mean, with a with a redshirt year, you could have a guy go five years at five different different programs. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the great thing about college football to me is when you look around, when you're when you're at the booth and you see some kids running around with Devin Neal or Jalen Daniels jerseys on. Well, if if this continues, you're not going to sell jerseys because nobody's going to buy a jersey thinking that whatever you buy. That guy might be gone next year. <laughs> you may be in the stands with a guy wearing a jersey, and that guy's at another school. So I just think at some point there's going to be a breaking point, and I really hope that they can get this all figured out. That will do it. That is the final word on this bowl game edition and pre-holiday edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. John Kirby and I previewed the matchup with UNLV. We talked about offense, defense, special teams, and what you can expect. We gave our predictions on the matchup. Then we talked a little bit about portal recruiting, NIL, and a little bit of the state of the state of college football as it stands right now. You are primed and ready for the Jayhawks matchup with the Rebels in the guaranteed rate bowl, as well as primed and ready for a great holiday on Monday. Former man John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slam podcast from JayhawkSlam.com. We will talk with you again soon. This has been a podcast from JayhawkSlam.com.